Welcome to Grace on Tap, uh, episode number 41. This is an episode in which we're going to change formats. Um, In the past, we've been going through uh, different historical events and people of the Reformation and and discussing a lot of the the backstory, the context of the events that took place. Beginning with this episode, we're going to look at a very slow-paced view. Well, maybe not too slow-paced, we hope, not so glacial slow, but we're going to look at specifically the large catechism. So, but we will remain uh, a podcast dedicated to a review of the Lutheran Reformation and the, the, the issues and, and things that happen. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about is context. We've, we've put a lot of context out there, and we will be bringing up that context as we go through this document, the, the large catechism. Now, the large catechism can be found in many formats. Uh, it's available on lcms.org uh, as a free download. Uh, you may have your own copy. Uh, there are just a number of translations out there that you can find on the Internet. There's the Concordia Lutheran Confessions, a reader's edition, uh, Tappert's edition, which is read that some people have, the Book of Concord, uh, the Colbin Wengert edition. Um, whatever edition you have, you'll find it's common uh, for the documents from the Book of Concord to be referenced with paragraph numbers. And we're going to use those as reference points. So we'll say in the preface at paragraph one. Okay. Oh, before we get started, we should also mention that we drink beer. We drink beer on Grace on Tap. We do Because the Grace is on tap and the beer is on tap. That's right. And I'm Mike Yeagley. And I'm Evan Gertner. And this is Grace on Tap. So let's get started. Of a pastor by the name of Nicholas Hausman, a pastor in Zwicklau. He's a Wittenberg type theologian and he wants a visitation of the churches in Saxony. He wants the tools to teach the Christian faith and he asks Luther for a catechism. Luther directs Justice Jonas uh, to write a catechism. It doesn't go very far. Uh, Others are asked by Luther to write a catechism. Melanchthon himself starts to write the catechism. Finally, uh, Luther, as they're preparing the articles for their um, visitation, realizes that he's going to write the catechism. He writes what's become known in his time as the German Catechism. It's published in mid-April of 1529. Uh, Now, later, it's known as the Large Catechism. So, what we're going to do today is we'll get started going through the the preface to the catechism. Uh, this was uh, basically Luther writing uh, just the, his general thoughts on the need for a catechism is what I would say when I, as I go through this. Uh, and so we're going to go through this you know paragraph by paragraph. And if you want to follow along, you know, we encourage you to go and, and just download the catechism. It's, it's free, it's online, and it has all the same paragraph callouts that, that we're going to be using here. And we'll include the, the link on the, on, the show no, on the show notes. On the website, you'll be able to find the link to the, the free copy of the large catechism that's available. Luther preaches beginning as a pastor catechetical sermons. Now that word catechetical, the word catechism, all these words are essentially about this word echo. Uh, And it's about to echo according to something. That's what catechism means. It's just to echo according to. to, And whether they echoing according to is the scriptures. When we share the Christian faith to one another, the faith we share is an echoing of what's in scripture. The catechism is just an echo of what's in Scripture in a way that's taught um, in uh, our homes and in our churches. It had been the pattern in Wittenberg that every year 
there would be a cycle of sermons that were on the catechism. And Luther engaged in this as well. So he'd preach on the Ten Commandments, uh, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, on the sacraments. And he even in then in 1528, in the spring of 1528, preaches a series of catechetical sermons. Um, and then as he's doing that, develops these three series of sermons into then what we know as the large catechism. Okay. Okay. So... So, do you want to start diving into the, the catechism? Let's go ahead and itself? do that. The first thing we're going to do is look at the preface. Uh, there is a large preface and a small preface. Uh, just, Actually, this document has both of them. Yeah, so we're going to do both as well. But we're, we're going to just start out with the large one. We'll see how far we get in it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll get through the whole preface today because it's not really the meat and potatoes. It's not really what we... It's not really what we want to talk about, but we're just going to sort of go through it and and see where we end up. The large preface uh, to the large catechism was included in the second edition of printing that came out in 1530. He had a much smaller preface that came up in uh, April of mid-1529. This larger preface was largely written at the same time when he is in the Coburg Castle during the Diet of Augsburg. The Diet of Augsburg taking place in the summer of 1530 is an event in Augsburg that Martin Luther could not attend. Uh, he, uh, Augsburg is outside of the territory of Electoral Saxony, where he is protected. If he leaves Electoral Saxony, uh, his life is in danger. So he goes as far south as he can to the Coburg Castle. And while he's at the Coburg Castle, he's writing lots of letters to Philip Melanchthon, who's in Augsburg at this great meeting of the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, but he has other things that he is writing about as well, besides just waiting uh, for every letter that comes from Philip Melanchthon. He also writes then this preface to his large catechism. And he starts with uh, explaining why it has to be written. This whole idea of teaching the simple things as an earnest exhortation uh, to preachers to teach the faith. So the first paragraph, I'm just going to, we're going to summarize these paragraphs one at a time here. Uh, The first paragraph, he talks a little bit about these two types of preachers that are out there. He says there's the preacher who's got the great high art, who's always the you know using big words. I guess in you know these fancy preachers who use big words and and are always looking to have some complex theology, complex logic, and and proving his point and all this other kind of stuff. So the large catechism is necessary for that kind of preacher because they need to be reminded we got to talk about the simple things. Yeah, but he also and he spends a little bit more time. Uh, talking about the, the 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 lazy preacher. He says that others from sheer laziness and care for their stomachs assume no other relation to this business of preaching than satisfying their belly. So, and the different different translations, it's stomachs, paunches, but it's, it's the same idea that these guys are just going to go and, and eat. Uh, you know, they're, they're just looking to, to get their, whatever they need to, to satisfy and So themselves. he's inspiring them to say, let's do more than just fill our bellies. Let's fill the minds and lives of the people we preach to. So, so he, he, he maps out these two different people. And then he, he says, you know, let's all get together. The, 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 the second paragraph that he covers there, he's going into and he says, listen, there is all sorts of great material out there. Tons of great material. If you want to, 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 to really preach effectively, it's there at your fingertips. You know, all you have to do is grab it. But, alas, he says, alas, exclamation point. True, true Luther, it's always lots of exclamation points. Alas, exclamation point. They are altogether shameful gluttons and serv- servants of their own bellies. 
uh, who ought to be more properly swineherds and dog tenders than caretakers of the souls and pastors. Talking about the tremendous resources that are out there, between 1522 and 1529, 176 different catechisms were published to help pastors and parents teach the Christian faith. Really? They, wow. They, it was it was um, of such so much publishing was happening in Wittenberg. There was even a stretch uh, where some things were delayed in printing because there wasn't enough paper. So when Luther says there is enough out there, buy these books, read them, look at them, study them, and he's sad that they're not even doing that. And then he he the, the in the third paragraph he he goes into. This, you know, you're, this people, babbling. Yeah, people are falling back into the old Roman ways of doing things, where you just sit and and babble, and and you're just you fill your time with empty words uh, that you don't even know what they mean, and that this uh, pernicious, lazy, shameful uh, time that we live in has, has left people to do things that have no meaning or purpose. So, and he he finishes off that 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 section there where he says, uh, the common people regard for the gospel is too light, and we accomplish nothing extraordinary, even though we use all diligence. I love that ambition he has right there, by the way, that he wants these people to have the ability to know. He wants them to have the confidence. He wants them to have this trust that we can accomplish something extraordinary, and that we don't have to settle for just... Uh, the boring and mundane and filling our time with the babbling of words that he has such conviction and confidence that what he's going to teach in this large catechism will rise the, the, the abilities of even the, the simplest parish pastor that could be just a swine herder yeah. to something able to accomplish extraordinary. I like this last sentence is what then will be achieved if we shall be negligent and lazy as we were under the papacy. And, and, and what I think he's getting at there is that, that, that structure of the medieval Roman church. The structure of the medieval Roman church was, oh yeah, you go, you say, you say you know, a thousand Hail Marys, seven thousand, whatever. You know, they had this list. What he's saying is that that created sort of a, a laziness where you would just sort of, you know, you would go off into a corner and and do this and you and know, then go back to the rest of your life and go uh, go back do whatever you wanted and and he said you know we now have the gospel we now have the 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 great promise you know the, that that has been discovered in in the Bible in the in the New mm-hmm. Testament we have this great promise that has, that's been uncovered we don't want to go back to being those lazy people who wandered off into a corner and did whatever we wanted to do and then partied all night or whatever you know. <laughs> And, and as he's inspiring them to do this, he recognizes that he's asking them to do a task that they may not be equipped to do. That many parish pastors were not equipped uh, to engage in catechesis, to engage in that instruction of the Christian faith. Um, early in the 1520s, the Reformers knew that there was much to be desired. Um, even, as I was mentioning in 1525, Nathan Hausman, uh, Nicholas Hausman, requesting uh, a children's catechism to teach the faith, uh, that there is just a, a weakness 
of the parish pastors. And, and some parish pastors have gone to this art of this high fancy preaching that says nothing. Others have gone to uh, just essentially doing the bare minimum. And he says, through it all, let's all remain students. Let's look at uh, now paragraph five. He says, to this there is added the shameful vice and secret infection of security and satiety. That is, that many regard the catechism as a poor, mean teaching, which they can read through at one time and then know it, throw the book in a corner and be ashamed, as it were, to read in it again. He's this danger of security is an interesting one because Luther so much spoke about the confidence of salvation by faith in Christ, that no longer is our faith uncertain. You know, he speaks with such declaration that I'm a baptized child of God. We have these strong declarations of confidence and salvation he has. But then he says, the danger is we will become so secure in this that we think we can throw this faith into a corner. We can throw our teachings into a corner and just move on away from them. And he wants to inspire them to say, be confident because it's ever before you. Be certain because it's always there in front of you. So I've known a lot of pastors in my day, um, and and this is something I, I've seen uh, over the years in different situations where, where pastors will be seduced into this sort of, you know, very intellectual sort of teaching and seduced away from the simple teachings, you know, where mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's really hard, you know, when, when I, and I would imagine you, you can speak, uh, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, the, 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 the catechisms and what Luther, this next section, and maybe we'll, we'll be taking a beer break in a minute and before we dive into this, but the, the, the next section, he's going to start talking about uh, how, uh, how hard you know how hard it is to truly master the catechism and and you know there's this this temptation to you know okay i got that down let's go to the higher mightier things mm-hmm. you know and that's that's sort of the well let's let's what do you say we take a quick break or do you have something you want to uh luther places himself into this line of humility by saying i'm a doctor i'm a preacher i'm as learned as experienced as all those yet i do as a child who's being taught the catechism Every morning and whenever I have time, I read, say a word for word, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, Lord's Prayer, the Psalms. I must still do it. And and yet I cannot master it. Um, this notion that Luther has in introducing the large catechism is to remind every reader of the catechism, every reader of the scripture, we are never masters of the scripture. Uh, we are never at a spot where it's a book we've read and we don't need to get it off our shelf again. You know, one of the things that, you know, I really want this beer, but I want to do want to say this first <laughs> is that one of the things that is uh, really, you know, there, there's there's this 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 challenge, this like you said, the humility, uh, because what he's talking about here when he talks about the catechism, he's not just talking about, oh, yeah, I have a mastery of scripture. He's saying, I don't have a mastery of the 10 words. Yeah. Of the of the of the Old Testament law, I don't have a mastery of, of the creed of the creed of prayer. Uh, I, I don't have a mastery of baptism. Uh, I don't have a mastery of the Lord's prayer. I I don't have a mastery. Take take one paragraph uh, out of the Bible, and I I don't have a mastery of that. He's going so much more than just saying I don't have a mastery of Scripture. He's saying I don't have a mastery of the very basic 
teachings of Scripture. As a doctor of the church, I don't have a mastery of the very basic teachings of the church. It's something I always have to go back to. And this is what I enjoy about the catechism, is its inspiration for lifelong learning. And there is such a need in our church today uh, for people to engage in being learners. And not that we're all learned and have everything all figured out, but that we have this constant attitude of being learners. And uh, I find that inspiring to see Luther described as well. Let's describe now this outstanding beer you have chosen for us, Mike. <laughs> Good. So this is this is a, a brew from uh, Brewery Vivant. I believe they are in Grand Rapids. If yeah, I so right. they're in Grand Rapids. I, I got to enjoy in a brewery tour of this brewery. It's in an interesting location. It had been a funeral home, and then it had been a daycare, and and now it's renovated. In many ways, it looks like. Uh, a church. So there might be a little sense of experience, some sacrilege. And so when I mentioned, is this a church? The guy, no, no, it was a funeral home. He wanted to make sure I knew. But Did he the, know you were a pastor? I, I think he might have. I wasn't certain whether I had come up or not at that point of the night. Okay. Um, and uh, But the, the bar area is in what was the chapel for the funeral home for where they would have the services. Okay. And so it's got stained glass. It's got this high arching ceiling. It's a pretty dramatic spot. It's not big, like say a huge church. It it fits on the uh, on a street. Yeah, I, I saw I saw pictures of it online. It's a neat place. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have a lot of French and Belgian beers, a lot of sours, uh, Belgian sours. This beer that you've chosen though isn't one of the sours. No, well, this this particular beer is. Uh, it's a, I'm really big at the moment into these uh, bourbon barrel beers. Uh, this say uh, it's. I'm, I'm finding out it's a Michigan thing. Um, I'm, I went to I went and looked for some in Pennsylvania. I looked for some in Ohio. Uh, I couldn't find any. I I had some guests visit me from Japan. I was I was so excited to to show them a bourbon barrel beer. I was we were traveling around uh, uh, north uh, northeastern part of the U.S. and I couldn't find one. Oh boy! And so so the, the but That's I why you should have stayed in Michigan. I should have stayed. We ended up in Michigan and we had some then. But, All right, good. But it was so. Uh, what's the name of this beer? This one is called Wizard Burial Ground. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> Hopefully, we're not buried through this beer. It's a bourbon barrel aged quadruple. So they they brew it once a year uh, in a freshly drained bourbon barrel, and it disappears into the shadows for a full year of cellaring. Uh, this year's brew becomes next year's release. Uh, they're wood aging beers and experimenting with wild fermentation. Wild fermentation is incredibly difficult. These guys, you know, it's very touchy. Um, at least I think, you know, my little bit of understanding. Is that uh, having to do with the different kind of yeast they use? Yeah, it's it's actually what they do is they, uh, the way I've heard it explained is that the yeast is, they, they leave the, the barrel open and whatever yeast comes in. So you're really constrained to that a specific area to get a specific taste. You know, one of the things about this beer, it's uh, it's obviously a very strong beer, very sweet. I my, I guess my take on this, it's it's sweeter than I typically like. Uh, the way a little bit too much sugar for me, but my experience with this, I I, I had a uh, I had a beer many many years ago that was like this. And I, oh, I didn't like it. Uh, I had like a six pack, and I didn't like it. And I, and I put the six pack away. It's a little bit almost like a dessert beer. It's almost like a dessert beer, yeah. But I put it away. 
about four years later, I found one and I drank it. It was the best beer I ever had. And so I think these these high alcohol content beers sometimes just need a little bit more aging. Yeah, and the, so it's the, an outstanding beer you've chosen. Uh, so the quadruple that those four <sighs> elements that come into it are outstanding. Uh, the bourbon, the vanilla, the charred oak. You can taste them all. The charred oak character out of the barrel melds it together with the caramel richness. So I figured out the four things in the quadruple. Okay. (laughs) So bourbon, vanilla, charred oak, and caramel. Okay. That's the quadruple. Okay. All All right. right. So this is Bon Vivant uh, Grand Rapids Brewery. they are an outstanding place to visit, great neighbors to their community, um, and a neat atmosphere at the brewery as well. Uh, let's return now. We were in paragraph seven. Uh, we were talking about how he is a child. when he, Martin Luther says he's a child when he is reading the catechism. An interesting thing, when he uses the word catechism, he's usually were referring to the text itself of the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and we think now of catechism, we're thinking of everything Luther wrote and all that. He'll use the word catechism to describe just the basic points of instruction of the faith. Uh, paragraph 8, he says, not only do I remain a child, but everyone must remain a child and a, a student of the catechism and be glad to remain that. Uh, because as we're uh, fastidious in our study of it, we'll find ourselves inspired with uh, promise and confidence in God's word. So in, in uh, paragraph nine, he starts begging. He begs the, the, uh, the, the pastors, you know, the lazy, pontious and presumptuous saints to be persuaded and believe for God's sake that they are verily, verily exclamation point, he says, uh, not so learned or such great doctors as they imagine, and never to presume that they have finished learning that this, uh, the the catechism, uh, or know all its points, even though they think they know it ever so well. An illustration of this, Mike, is uh, at the seminary, there is a class called Pastor as Educator. And the professor who taught that class said, we are not going to do anything in this class until you all, as seminary and students, have showed me that you've memorized the catechism. Really? Yeah. And uh, so every day... The small catechism? The small catechism. So every day we would start that class with the quiz. And if we didn't uh, do well enough on that quiz, he wouldn't teach the rest of the lesson until we had demonstrated mastery of that point of the catechism for that day. Because his point was, you guys are seminary students, um, and you're going to be teaching the catechism. You're going to be preaching uh, these basics of the Christian faith. And you can't just say, I know where it is in a book. You've got to know it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll tell you the 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 old days. Now I, I've been you know didn't they used to make kids memorize the small catechism? My my son who's in eighth grade still is memorizing the small catechism. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. A lot of the kids who are in Lutheran day schools are still doing it. Um, it gets harder when kids are in the public schools and arriving in confirmation in seventh or eighth grade and not having had a pattern of memorization. Uh, there is a, a group of uh, books that are being published out of a church in Sussex, Wisconsin, uh, about catechesis and, and emphasizing how even in churches with non, without uh, day schools, without Lutheran private schools, how they could start at a very early age uh, teaching the catechism. And I, I know that um, every parent should be teaching their children the Ten Commandments, the Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And as they do that, even when the children are preschoolers and kindergartners, that age when they're just minds or sponges, the parents will learn a lot as well. 
Um, so now, uh, paragraph nine goes on, as you were saying, to beg these lazy, pontious, and presumptuous saints to do it. Uh, for though they should know and understand it perfectly, um, there is a manifold benefit and fruit to still be obtained. So he understands that people who are smart can learn these words, that they will get it and understand the words perfectly. He says, however, that is impossible to understand it perfectly because the manifold benefits are still going to come out. The Holy Ghost is still going to be present in every reading, every repetition, every meditation, and more and new light is going to be found as we devote ourselves to this basics of the Christian faith. So in paragraph 10, he makes, I think, a, I don't know, you know, it's, it, 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 it struck me originally as a remarkable statement where he says, uh, is it exceedingly effectual help against the devil, the world, and the flesh, and all evil thoughts to be occupied with the word of God and to speak of it and meditate upon it, so that the first psalm declares those blessed who meditate upon the law, law of God day and night. So basically what he's saying is that, that going back to these, these few things, the, the creed, the, the, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, these handful of things, Constantly going back to them, constantly meditating on them, is is a a powerful, powerful uh, help against the the devil, the world, and the flesh. That it, this this is something that that w- w- it's actually and and what I'm I'm sort of maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I it's almost as if he's saying, listen, you know, you get off on these high 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 academic pursuits. Academic pursuits and and you leave yourself open to the devil the the the, the flesh and the world and then he goes on in that same paragraph to describe that knowing the basics of the christian faith is stronger than incense and and, and better at fumigating the devil out of the room so if you could imagine, you know, he's in a place of worship where incense is used and people imagine that this wafting of the smoke up in the air is driving out the devil. He says, better than any incense in fumigating the devil is knowing the basics of the Christian faith. And he says, better than sprinkling water and making a sign upon you is to know the word that's upon you. And so he uses this balance and struggle of looking at the piety of the people in the day that has become an empty ritual and say, let's go back and nurture and feed this faith that the ritual was all meant to be pointing to in the first place. Yeah, we're people in that day. And would you say that people today also rely on the sacraments, also rely on the, on the, 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 the outer trappings of church? I think people still expect that they will have protected and guarded their life if they do certain things. If I make sure I'm in the pew on a Sunday morning, if I make sure that I've done this or that, uh, people will very much uh, surround themselves with these talismans of work that they will do and say, as long as I've done this, I will be safe. And Luther is saying, better at fumigating the devil or driving out the demon the devil than any of these works you can do is to remember and recall the work that God has done for you. So his preface to the large catechism that he is writing while he's um, cloistered at the Coburg Castle during the Diet of Augsburg is earnestly driving people to say, look to the word of God, see what it says to you. Um, Now let's look to uh, paragraph 11. 
He says, it's for these reasons that we read, we speak, we think, and we treat of these things. It's no other profit and fruit than this. It drives away the devil and evil thoughts because the devil cannot bear to hear or endure God's word. And so uh, let's just stick with God's word and trust that that's God's power. And this gets to that notion of the Reformation that we are... um, uh, you know, the, the solas, the solely by grace, solely by faith, solely by grace, uh, solely by Christ, and solely by the scriptures alone. Paragraph 12, and I think we'll be wrapping up at that. So he, he says, so what, uh, so what need is there of many words? And he, then he goes, if I were to recount all the profit and fruit which God's words compla- uh, produce, whence would I get enough paper and time? The devil is called the master of a thousand arts. But what shall we call God's word, which drives away and brings uh, to naught this master of a thousand arts with all with all his arts and power? So he's basically saying that 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 God's word, the simple the simple God's word, you know, the, the 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 simplicity of God's word. The devil has all the complexity on his side. The devil has all the. It's actually the simple God's word, and I'm I'm going to keep going back to, you know, and when he talks about you know God's word here. And he's referencing the catechism. He's referencing just those handful of things. The Lord's Prayer. The Ten Commandments. And the Creed. And the Creed. Which he sees the Creed as a, a witness to what the scriptures have said. Just a summary. A, a quick uh, going back in one of the original summaries of, of what's in the Bible. And he says, you know, you go back to those, those few things. Those very simple things. And they are more powerful than where you have the... the the, the devil of, of, a, of a thousand arts, and God battles it with just these, these handful of things. So this is our uh, walk through the large catechism as a part of Grace on Tap. Uh, we have gone through paragraph 12 of the longer preface that Luther included in his 1530 edition. Um, there's also a shorter preface that he included in the first time it was published in 1529. Around the same time, uh, the Lutherans are getting uh, ready to be at the Diet of Augsburg and declare to Charles V uh, what are the the basics of what it means to be Christian and why Lutherans aren't sectarian. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on in this time period, and we're glad to share them with you as we walk through the large catechism. Okay. Well, until next time. Prost. Prost.